podcast is brought to you by America Online, now hiring designers in Silicon Valley, New York City, and the Washington, D.C. area. Help us set the standard for what happens next on the web. Send your resume to uijobs at aim.com today. Looking for inspiration and ideas from other colleagues from all over the world? Be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. At the 2007 IA Summit in Las Vegas, Christina Woodkey, founder of Boxes and Arrows, sat down to talk with Chris Fahey of Behavior Design about the conditions that led to the founding of his firm. Chris gives a genuine talk about how his practice developed, what it means to lead the consultancy, and how the partner's work has changed because of their success. For those who have ever considered striking out with a few colleagues or are just curious about the path, do yourself a huge favor and listen to this podcast before, you know, you jump off that cliff. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. This is Christina Woodkey of Boxes and Arrows, and we ran into Chris Fahey in the hall of behavior design, and we thought we'd catch up with him and see what interesting things he's up to. So, Chris, what are you over, up to over in New York these days? Uh, well, um, behavior design is, is growing quite a bit. We're, uh, we're, we, we're in, and we just passed our fifth year mark, so um, I think that's sort of the marker as to uh, whether or not a business can survive. So that's been, that's been great for us. And, uh, Do you um, wake up every morning going, not dead yet? <laughs> uh, wake up, uh, I wake up um, very late sometimes because we're still working very late. It's, even after five years, it's still putting in massive hours and still working, uh, working as if we're in our first year. Mm. So, you know, um, a lot of the folks on Boxes and Arrows have been coming really excited about the articles we're writing about careers because they're asking themselves, like, where am I going to go with my life? You know, I'm a designer, but um, and I could become, like, best designer in the universe, but maybe I should try something else. Maybe I should run my own agency. Right. Maybe I should become a product manager. Do you have some fun thoughts on what brought you here? What what made you decide to, to run your own shop? Actually, we, I was just in the hallway having an interesting conversation with some other people about the very same topic, actually, so this is fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, there seems to be, uh, uh, someone said there was a sort of series of ingredients that go into making you sort of a super powerful um, uh, consultant as an, as an individual. And that is sort of uh, starting a business, publishing a book, um, what was the third ingredient? Uh, speaking at conferences or teaching at, at a university of some kind. So and these ingredients add up to um, sort of escalations in your ability to make money and, and get premier clients and... and, and uh, um, I don't know, where was I going with that? I, I guess the uh, over the years, um, we start to think less about how we can do good on our projects for our bosses and clients and more about, you know, what's going to happen to me coming up in the future? Am I going to manage people? Am I going to work on bigger and bigger projects? Am I going to work on more and more refined, uh, focused projects? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s right now, and, and a lot of people, I think, in this industry are kind of in, um, while it's very broadly ranged, I think there's a lot of people in that kind of boat where there's a, a new generation coming up, but there's people who are entering the second generation who, who, of having started in the web industry in, in, the, in the 90s, and we're kind of all facing that question. Mm. Um, you so, know, where do we go now? Mm. So... Um, as a way of, of thinking about that question, can you tell me, like, what was the moment when you said, hey, you know, take this job and put it in a trash bag, right. um, and let's go, uh, let's go start our own thing? Like, how, how did that happen? Yeah, that was an interesting, it was an interesting decision for us. At, at Behavior, um, I, I, we, we started with five partners, including myself, and we all were working together at uh, um, Rare Medium, which is a, one of the uh, 
Razorfish-like global consultancies but that um, managed to I actually remember Rare Medium, believe it or not, and March 3rd, and <laughs> <laughs> Vivid Ensign. Go yeah, on. Yeah. March 1st. March, March 3rd is my birthday, actually. So. <laughs> I must be in the air. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, and, and but we were the last people to work there as they gradually went from 1,000 to 500 to 50 to 3, you know, 30 people. And then finally it was down to about 10 people. And we realized we all liked working together. We had clients that liked working with us that were going to be uh, upset when their vendor disappeared. So we continued to work with the same clients right away, um, working from home. I think the hardest part was making the transition from um, let me back up. It was wasn't hard for us to decide to continue working together and to serve clients as 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 almost like a virtual agency. What was hard was deciding to incorporate and move into an office and start delegating tasks to to uh, underlings and start to you know uh, build an organization. And and you know we had all managed people before, but kind of we had this brief period of time when we were virtual freelancers as a virtual company. It was very awkward. What made the decision hard? Um, I think it was just sort of the change of focus. It was sort of transitioning from working out of the, out of your home to uh, to, uh, to uh, spending money on an office. I think um, I think it was a financial difficulty. We we grew organically. We did not have any investment. I think we all um, uh, lived off of credit cards for for a few months in the early mm -hmm. stages, and we and unemployment. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, gradually, um, I think we made enough money in our first year to be able to afford a down payment or, or a um, deposit on a on a on a space and. You know, we started with folding tables, worked our way up to buying uh, actual uh, doors that we could then varnish and make into real tables, and, and now we're actually getting furniture built for us from Ooh. friends of ours. <laughs> um, it, I think the hard part is, is, is it's financial, but it's also just sort of cultural, you know, understanding yourself to be not a uh, um, the person that the client hired. But you are the uh, embodiment of the of the of the brand that the con that the client hired. Mm. Um, so clients don't necessarily get Chris Fahey 100% on a project. They get me leading a team, um, and you know my selection of that team and my sort of course correction of that team and and my you know standardization of the deliverables that we mm. do. Um, and that's been hard. That's been tough to do because I really like working on stuff too. Mm. You know, I was talking to another entrepreneur who just made his first hire, and he was talking about what a sort of terrifying moment that is. Can you talk a little bit about what it meant to change from, you know, five guys who are all kind of responsible for their own trouble to being responsible for a team of young people who you have to grow and nurture and yeah. keep your brand going? Well, one of the hardest parts about that was when people started sending us resumes from uh, outside of New York, because mm. then we have to say to them, uh, yeah, okay, you're going to come work for us and uh, relocate and move all your stuff and move your wife or your family to New York. Um, that's a big, that was a big, tough decision. I think hiring and other then people... And you might have to fire them two weeks later. Exactly. That's, that was the tough part, was, was sort of feeling comfortable enough in our pipeline and our growth and our, and our stability that, that we could make that kind of commitment. And, uh, and that, that's been... Um, we've never made a wrong decision in that regard. Like, mm -hmm. every time we've hired... I mean, we've, we've hired people that, that you know... Um, you know, work great, and 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 that sort of, uh, um, you know, that sort of works out eventually. But um, we're generally very, very ca careful about who we hire. Most of our interviews don't, uh, you know, get, end up really short because <laughs> uh, we want to hire the best, and um, and so we wait a long time to hire people. It takes a long time. It's going to be tempting, though, you know, when you've got this incredibly fat pipeline. I know the market is red hot. Yeah. And you're like, gosh, if we had three more people, boy, that would be a lot of leverage. Yeah. Yeah. It. it 
we looked at a pipeline recently that, that said that if we got every single client that we uh, could get that we felt like was sort of, oh, that looks like a good nibble of this business development, um, we could hire up to 100 people. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, over time that shook up and, and we decided we said no to some clients. We uh, Some clients said no to us. And uh, it turns out you don't have to actually have to grow that much. The hard, One of the hardest parts, though, is deciding between freelance and, and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of freelancers working for us uh, as well as staff. And uh, um, I, you know, I, I like staff better because because they you know sort of grow our uh, our competency and able enable us to sort of have a, an organization which has institutional knowledge, which you don't get from freelancers quite as much. Except that our freelancers we like to keep for a long time in a long term relationship, so it's virtual staff. Almost staff, and you yeah. can flip them sometimes, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've done that a couple times, and, and uh, hope to do more of that. <laughs> so are all five partners still with you? Uh, no, one of our partners, uh, Koi Van, ended up working at, uh, he took his dream job at the New York Times as the design director. I think uh, it was the, the the one thing that could possibly take him away from us, literally, of, of all the jobs out there in the whole world. I think mm-hmm. I think he spoke to some other companies that uh, at some point were interested in him. And this is, the New York Times is his his uh, dream job, I think, and he's loving it. So. Well, that would be... Yeah, if the New York Times comes knocking sometimes, but it's still got to be hard, right? You know, you've got this core five, and yeah. you're seeing your company turn into something that isn't about you five guys, but is its own entity. Yeah, and actually, we thought that would be a difficult transition. Um, and um, and you know, while we miss Koi very much, it, 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 at the same time, you know, it, it, we were able to do it because the company had been abstracted enough away from the personalities and and to the kind of the communal culture and, and you know that culture is embodied not just in our methodology and our deliverables mm-hmm. but also just in you know the the zeitgeist of the group of people i mean there's there's five partners and there's uh, well, four partners now and there's uh you know 16 additional employees working around the office and they're um that's the culture mm-hmm. um and we're you know we're bringing people at every level and that's that's great too so so we're actually transitioning from being bringing in people that we've known for a long time of the same experience as us to bringing in people from other cities from uh recent graduates uh that we're you know sort of nurturing that's that, so it's it's actually uh the culture is constantly evolving and that's really exciting Okay. So let's say that I'm, you know, a practitioner in my late 20s, and uh, I, f- I feel pretty good about my craft and my game. And I come up to you and say, you know, I've been, uh, I'm, un- I've been talking to a couple friends, and maybe I want to do my start my own thing. Um, what would you warn me about? What would you ask me to think about? Hmm. If you want to, you want to start your own thing. You mean as a as an entrepreneur or to as a consultant? You, you know, like like I'm I'm going to start a consulting gig. I'm going to oh. a consulting company. I'm going to go out and there's so much work right now. I feel kind of brave, and I might be able to get together with a couple of friends and start a consultancy. Hmm. I know what I'd say if they wanted to be an entrepreneur, and it'd be a very different story. <laughs> Are you mad? Is what Are I would crazy? say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I would say I'll, I'll, I don't want to say it's it's luck, but I think there's a lot of sort of faith you have to have in your own personal connections and in their ability to drum up business for you. I think you have to be uh, shameless in certain ways. Mm-hmm. You have to tell people what you're doing more often than than you might might feel comfortable with in, in sh- what they call shameless self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, uh, um, but you have to be gentle with that too. I mean, you can't just spam your everybody, but uh, you know, you have to, you have to keep in contact with people. Um, have lunch with people, something I'm really bad at, but I think uh, don't get too caught up in your work that you forget that business development is, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, business development has and always has been, ever since we started this company, probably at least a third of what I do. Um, defining our process in a way that is, is uh, uh, you know, 
digestible by clients that's sellable, um, actually going to pitches, working on, working on proposals, um, having a business developer on staff and helping her like sort of craft our, our pitch, uh, marketing ourselves, writing press releases, editing press releases. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that you don't have to do when you're working inside an organization for someone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's... Uh, I've seen you doing it too. You're sort of, <laughs> of shameless self-promotion, and that's that's it's 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 how that's the hard part. I think one well, of the hardest parts. Well, I was at South by Southwest where you were, you know, and I I was I was tired. It was eight nine in the morning, and I you know I was a little bit hungover, and I was like, oh god, you know, am I really going to stand up and try to ask a question that promotes my company right. and yet doesn't do it in a really horrifying fashion? And right. I was like, I felt really guilty and shy and tired and like drinking water and laying down and. But I did it anyway, because because you don't have you don't actually have a choice. You think you have a choice, and you don't actually have a choice. You just always got to stand up there and have a way that your company's name gets in front of more people. Yeah, yeah, and you have to um, um, uh, make sh make your presentations very slick, and and you know even to the point where they go beyond you know doing what they have to do. You have to you know put on a good show. Um, another another piece that I thought was kind of interesting is, is, you know, really defining what you're, what you're aiming for mm. and knowing what your target is. Um, you know, we've, we don't say no a whole lot to clients, um, to, but, you know, lately maybe more so just because of the saturation of the market. But, um, uh, you know, you have to understand when to say no and um, when to just be as hungry as possible. And I don't know, I can't say that we, I, I'm not practicing what we preach because we've taken a lot of uh, almost everything that we get. But, um <laughs> But we have to decide what to pitch for. We have to decide who to contact, who to send our marketing materials to, um, and uh, it's a. Uh, um, I guess you know it's good idea, especially if you have partners, to have constant communication. Um, to have uh, we have summits uh, with our partners twice a year, where we just you know we go off site and all hang out for a while. It's surprising how you'll realize that you haven't actually spoken to your partners uh, one on one in you know weeks or months sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, uh, especially when you start getting a staff and you start you know, getting mm -hmm. kind of insular into projects. So, yeah, so when you communicate internally with your with your partners, sometimes you're surprised as to what your company vision is, and then the company vision gets embodied in you know how you pursue business. Interesting. I got to say, I'm very impressed that you started a company with five partners because <laughs> I started a company with five partners, and uh, but we had never worked together, and so a huge amount of our time was just trying to figure out how we'd relate to each other. So there wasn't as much time that we could spend with clients, or if we were spending time with clients, we weren't working through those details. So it was just a tremendously hard thing to do. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine doing that. I think, you know, we, we had all worked together for five years before we started Behavior, mm -hmm. almost five years, maybe four or five years, at, at, at Rare Medium. And uh, two of my partners had worked together for four or five years before that mm -hmm. at IO360, a, uh, a, a web design firm in New York that was pretty influential like, from day one in, of the web. And uh, so, um, and also, uh, two of my partners I'd gone to school with um, in college. So, so we all knew each other very, very well, and and were able to. Uh, I think we had shaken out a lot of our kinks early on. I mean, every partnership has kinks, and we still have disagreements as to how we want to do things and personal styles and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I think we shook a lot of it out early, and that was a really big advantage. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, MIG and Adaptive Path are both two partner companies now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. And so, you know, I think that's something else I would say to people if they were starting up is like, start with one person and get to know them really, really well, or start with somebody you already know really, really well and build from that. Because I got to say, you know, those early years you were talking about, you know, not having any money, being scared about rent, that's a lot of stress for a new relationship, yeah. either, you know, friendship or otherwise. Well, I, I would say also that um, 
that part of the natural growth of a company is for partnerships to break up. And then you know people go on. There's no guarantee that everybody, especially if you have three, four partners, mm -hmm. wants to spend the rest of their lives doing that. And uh, you know people move on. Uh, Adaptive Path like has had very organic changes and behaviors. Had, you know we've had one, um, and um, we don't see any more coming. But the but you know you know six years have passed and we're still together. Who's we all we all put our vision like we want to do this for the rest of our lives. That's just how we say it. But you know you never know. Yeah, so. I think I think that's wonderful advice. Is just to remember that you know we're human beings. We grow. We change. You do one job. You do another job. You become partners. Maybe you go off and get to be the design director of New York Times. You know, and it's <laughs> not personal because we're human beings and we grow and we're bigger than what we do. Yeah. Well, thanks, Chris. This has been really really wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, it's great to be on a podcast for my first time. It's very exciting. <laughs>